Live from the 93.7 The Ticket Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America, this is Inside the Huddle with Nebraska Football Hall of Famer, Jay Foreman. Fires a pass, and it's intercepted by the Huskers at the 25, Jay Foreman. And Foreman takes it down to the 19-yard line of Oklahoma. Another big play by the Blackshirts. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Sponsored by Advanced Medical Imaging. Good morning. Welcome to Inside the Huddle. This is Jay Foreman. Uh, we got my main man, Austin, popping in on the ones and twos. He's going to hopefully make me sound good and look good. Uh, Austin, that intro was always funny to me, man. It was a, it was a, it, it, I'll say it, it was somewhat of a athletic play by when I was making the transition to middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. One-handed catch, you know, and so Ooh. that, you know, really, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. and all those guys have been doing one-handed catches. My, you know, look, I'm biased, but it's the truth. My dad been, was making one-handed catches out of the backfield and making people miss at the same time. So th- that catch is something that he was making me do. I remember specifically <laughs> it was a Thanksgiving. We were over at a friend's house. Actually, we were over at Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, their music producers. And he's like, hey, you want to play football? And he was whipping his football at me. And I was catching him, and so I got cocky. He's like, okay, let's see if you can do one hand. And then you're throwing them all over. So I m- made a catch like that at – 10, 11 years old, make it in Oklahoma. And, and you know, look, I grew up in a Miami household, mm-hmm. right? So my dad went to Miami. My other uncle went to Miami. My I call them my non-blood relative. Other uncles went to Miami because back then that was it. My dad went and then it was a floodgates, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why I grew up watching, celebrating right. and all that. So I told myself, you know what? You know, I started outside linebacker. They moved me to middle. I had to hit the weights and, you know, do all that stuff because I was kind of, you know, a little bit of a pouty, mad, but I'm going to show you type of stuff. So I was like, man, if I score, you know, I'm going to break it down in the end zone. Oh, you yeah. know, I'd been in a plenty, plenty of parties and in practice with the lights off. <laughs> and I don't know what happened. And then this is my excuse. I don't know why I had the longer studs in my cleats. Had the serious spikes. I don't know if it was supposed to be muddy or I didn't, I just put the wrong cleats in there. So once I made that catch, I'm like, oh, it's house call. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, is like I always say, is you got after the when you get ten yards, you got to cock that head back and get those knees up. <laughs> well, the head cocked back, the knees didn't get up. The oh, turf, no. the turf monster got me. <laughs> oh my god! Because oh, you know what no. I was thinking. It, you know what it was the football gods really, because I was thinking. You know, I could look at it like I'm looking at 93.7 right here. I was like, oh, first of all, I know I didn't think they were going to catch me, I would, you know, or I would have cut back. But I was thinking to myself, and this is how dumb I was at the, <laughs> at that time, literally. thousand things going through my mind. It should be I want to score or whatever, right, for the team. I'm thinking, like, what, de- what dance am I going to do? I had two. <laughs> boop, boop, face plant. <laughs> Only, they read your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. But mind. I said, you know what, if I ever get a chance – Again in that year, I'm gonna score. Three or four weeks later, scored against Colorado, and then you know, so that's the one. But that always tickles me, and also because when my daughters talk about, they've been to a couple of like award ceremonies, and you know, they'll show plays mm-hmm. of all the good plays I've made in Nebraska. You know, bad plays, decent plays, good plays, and if you want to call a couple great, that's the one they always bust my chops about. <laughs> so it's good though. It always reminds you. I always uh. Cringe a little bit, but it was a good play. And uh, and uh, was it Dustin Fuentes who was a coach? I think at Virginia Tech, uh, 
he was he was the you know he was he was the quarterback really? at Oklahoma, yeah, or huh. Justin Fuentes, and then Stephen Alexander was the tight end, and I ended up playing against him a few years in the NFL, and he was a first round pick for the uh, at that time the Washington Redskins. But this is uh, inside the huddle, brought to you by Advanced Medical Imaging. Advanced Medical Imaging is located at seventy six zero one Pioneers Boulevard and offers treatments for all types of pain. Trust me, I know, and actually, I'm about to be back there here in the next week or two. If you want to get uh, experience uh, as little as pain as possible, give them a call today at 402-484-6677. They are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, other points are that they have the best uh, interventional radiologist to treat pain using minimal invasive uh, treatments as well. And then also they try to come up with a game plan uh, to avoid uh, the overuse uh, or if you don't like using opioids and that's something I don't like really like doing. So I appreciate them sponsoring. We're going to keep uh, doing live reads uh, because they are going to be seeing Jay Foreman live in, uh, in effect here this week, but inside the huddle, if you guys haven't uh, heard uh, some big 10 news, obviously, you know, with football, just essentially two months away, um, some news out of a, you know, a university that you wouldn't expect this type of news to come out of. Um, and it seems to be, you know, here's the thing is with things that like this happen. Hopefully it never happens here in Nebraska. But and we've seen it a little bit kind of like with the past staff and you hear some stuff going on and then you start to hear some more stories. And then they start to kind of like the dots start to add up and you don't know whether to how much is believable or not. But the one thing I will say is, it, you know, this reminds me of it reminds me of the situation with Kurt Ferentz in Iowa. Mm-hmm. You heard one and it's all you know, it's funny. It came out like with Iowa situation and this came out like later in the week, kind of like a sleepy thing. All right. You know, you think like, okay, he's suspended without pay for two weeks, slap on the wrist, some old stuff, disgruntled player got, you know, sitting around maybe talking and then he has a lawyer friend, like, all right, you could maybe get paid or just cause some issues. Right. You know, you really would have made the NFL if this wouldn't have happened. Okay. I get it. And then, you know, and then you, then you could see that the powers that be to go to Fitzgerald, all right, look, dude, you know, look, we got your back, but, you know, we got suspended for two weeks. A week later, you'll be in Big Ten. Go up to your lake house or whatever. You know, relax before re- the season. Relax, which do whatever. It's the dead period. Um, go so forth and so on. <clears throat> but as, and this is, and I will say this: as people on social media started to retweet, quote tweet it, it starts to gain um, traction. And so then, therefore, the people that have made the initial decision of the two weeks, right? And they hired an outside firm. So they hired an investigative firm. And so I'm, a, I'm assuming they paid a pretty penny for that. And they didn't pay a pretty penny to get the answer that they wanted. Because ultimately, they were, I'm assuming, right, that they would know that the ramifications would be us talking about it even more. The problem is, and this is not saying that this is not going to bat for Pat Fitzgerald or any situation, uh, and we'll get into any, of the, any of the, or we'll get into that here quick or shortly. Is that you have to somewhat, even though you're Northwestern, answer to the masses, because what's going to happen is those administrators are getting in their car. They probably have car services in Chicago because it's horrible, <laughs> but cars or whatever, and it's on the radio, because one number one. It's the reputation and the aura of Pat Fitzgerald that he's a stand-up dude. I've met him before. He's a stand-up dude, you know, and or you know at least from what I my interaction with him. And granted, I never played with him, never coached for him, 
or anything like that. But you could just tell his reputation is that hard nosed Chicago does everything the right way. Is has had plenty of time to leave Northwestern. Has been loyal to them, and it's been a great relationship. So you're you're just more shocked that something like this would happen. Then it's it's been and you haven't heard a lot of any of these type of stories coming out of Northwestern. It's always like people we just talked about it here on old school. You felt a little bit sorry for Northwestern because they did, had to do a really good job of recruiting certain players. And let's face it, they've had more first round picks than Nebraska's had in the last twelve years, I mm-hmm. think. Well, and, and and NFL drafted players, so they go get guys, you know, develop them, and here comes Notre Dame. We'll take this or. Slater was hurt, you know, or Skaronsky who plays and, and, you know, he's the best offensive lineman and he never really got the the aura or the, the media fanfare because you're on a 111 team. Well, then they had the running back gets drafted. <clears throat> then the defensive end or defensive tackle, he ends up going second round. And then you're like, oh, well, that's why Nebraska lost. You know, and then they had two linebackers that, you know, getting free agent deals. And the defensive backs were all freshmen and younger guys. Okay, Pat Fitzgerald, the normal Northwestern. Well, here comes this stuff with the first it started like just seemed like regular locker room stuff. That was the first initial report. Okay, two weeks. Actually, then people were like, you should be suspended with two pay, two weeks with this normal not locker room stuff. Well, then now you start to hear <laughs> what the real deal is. And I read the article last night, and I only am, and, and here's what I will say to people that are listening and they'll listen again on the podcast. I, I encourage everybody to uh, spread the word and it's a podcasted and then go come back and rewatch the show and re-listen to the show is the article is coming from one side and Northwestern answered by a team and former player letter, which, you know, look, look, Northwestern has a tight, um, prideful, very established alumni. In all phases. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. don't get it twisted. It's its own political party. It is. And they're very powerful. Mm-hmm. And uh, in their own way. And um, so, they, but if they believe in something, you know, because the majority, let's say like 99% of those guys, they've probably had a good experience at Northwestern. Mm-hmm. They have jobs, played the NFL, do whatever, and they've kind of always been connected. So they're making sure they're going to go back to bat for the coach. So they answered. But... People always ask, you know, like in Nebraska, you might have done some stuff like, you know, not like that, but normal stuff. But it never was on this. When I was reading some of this, I was just like, like, first of all, I was like, who does this? Right now, if it's true. Right. If I'm saying if it's true. And all I want, all I really want to know is who's the first guy that was, I'm assuming, a captain. They say, okay, this is what we're going to do to freshmen that make mental errors. Mm-hmm. Right, I want to start somewhere. I want to know who that guy is. Yeah, that's the guy I want to have a one-on-one. Jay Foreman, <laughs> let's go somewhere and give you a couple drinks. I have a couple drinks. Let's just let's just break this down. Where did you learn this? Okay, where where did you think that this was going to be inspired? Convince me that if I I almost I mean I would strongly consider Northwestern. Now I don't know if it was going on then. It might have, it would have been a short turnaround because you know. <laughs> but anyways, convince me as a freshman how this is going to inspire me to want to be here and play with you and for wh- whoever the coach is and position coach for four or five years. You can do all the stuff, and I will tell you when I was a rookie, and you see some stuff, and and I don't know if you see it that much anymore. The big thing is when I was a rookie in the NFL, you saw some guys and saw some teams that would 
you know, tape rookies up and they'll get, you know, doused with like cold water. And that was like their deal. And then look, I carried pads. I did. I carried um, pads as, when I was a rookie. That's not hazy. No, that's just what you do. I hate, did I like doing it after like, uh, you know, the two a day practice? No. And wondering if I'm going to get cut. Well, I carried them dang pads. I had to buy, uh, or me and Keith Newman were the rookies, linebacker rookies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when we'd watch film, and we came in, and we, and we knew, we, you know, my dad told me, and then we had our, you know, our agents, and then me and Keith talked. We just came to him and said, hey, look, what we got to do? Because we were there to play football, and I wanted to keep a job. Monday, watching tape, you know, as the linebackers, we, you know, had to, and they gave us all the numbers and stuff like that. We'd have to order pizza and wings. And, like, you know, everybody would just go get their own Gatorades and water. And then on the – now, the biggest thing that I had to do, Austin, this was – and this was told to me by Ted Cattrall. I love Ted Cattrall. He's a defense coordinator at Buffalo at the time. Should have been a head coach. Um, coached the NFL for, you know, 30 years. He said, you guys better not get on that play on an away game, preseason or regular season and playoffs, without having that chicken. <laughs> Straight up. Really? Oh, yeah, for the linebackers. Because hmm. each room had their own deal. So when we get on the plane, so so then I was, so me and Keith got together, and we'd switch off, but we'd always make sure, hey, did you get the chicken, you know, call each yeah. other, and we had those next tells, so we'd chirp, chirp each other. <laughs> and so the thing that we'd do, we'd get, we, we would make sure we had our suit, and then everything, we'd go pick up the chicken, and then we'd go to the – you know the the hangar to go in on the plane so they would have buses leaving from the stadium or you could go and park you know and most guys parked over there but there was an early shuttle that would go over with the athletic trainers and some of the administrators right and there mm-hmm. and there was a couple always seats open so that's when I, we would go to set it up <clears throat> and it's not a big setup we would know where everybody sat and everybody kind of had the sign seats you know because we always at that time it was Northwest Airline, which is Delta now. Ah. You know that was our charter, and then we'd get there, and you know have the chicken or whatever. And we say we had two or three rows or whatever, and then they put the knuckle, you know, us back in the back. But we would be there, and Ted Cottrell literally would come over it with a plate and have his hand like a hook. <laughs> he, and here's the thing about Ted Cottrell: nobody else could get a plate of chicken until he got it first. Okay. And he would have his hand like a hook, and he'd get his get his uh, <laughs> get his piece, and and you know we had the sides and stuff like that, um, and then we'd have Rusty Jones, and so we you know if we were playing, say we were going to play the the one time we were going down to play the Dolphins, another time we were going to play the San Diego Chargers, in uh, another time Arizona, but it was supposed to be hot, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going from Buffalo at this point in time, where it's probably you know seventies or something, sixties. He wanted to make sure he he limited the amount of fried chicken that we'd eat. You know, he'd be, he he would try to. He'd get up and say, look, I know you guys are going to do it. Set of three pieces, maybe one, right, and do this. And then, you know, you know what I'm saying, and save it for the ride home. So, you know, that's the about the extent that we had to deal with it. And then Nebraska really wasn't, you know, that, you know, into it or whatever. Um, but I will say this is like, you know, we had good leadership to where um, – the best way I always tell young guys that when you come in, be seen and not heard and uh, let your pads do the talking. And, you know, you got to gain respect. You're going to go from the big dog at whatever high school mm-hmm. or junior college or maybe even transfer portal where you come from, 
right? Just look at like Jeff Sims and, and look perfect examples. Casey last year, he was the man down in Texas. Started. You got to come in and earn your stripes here. You come in and earn your stripes. You generally have a, a good or good experience. But you know this stuff that that's with Northwestern. Now I don't know whether it's true or not. And I'm sure we'll find out some some sort of um, you know conclusion here because I just read where the the powers that be are reconsidering um, the punishment. You know so. We talked about it on old school, and this is what I want to ask you. I know I got a little bit long-winded. And the first initial, I guess, complaint was in 2022, I read. Okay. Right? So, and I think it was before the season. So, even if it wasn't, it was the whole off season. Yeah. Um, and that would be interesting. I, I'll look at it on the break. I felt when it first came out, right? Because I look at it like this. when the Whoever complained to, say, Austin – in 2022 that's not the only year that they did it okay this is not something that they they've been doing this for probably for a while. something sort of to this mm-hmm. for a while they had that camp kenosha i'm sure they, they're up in the middle of nowhere i'm sure there's some stuff going on right and it was brought to the coaches and it the conclusion was like you you should have you knew kind of knew you should have asked more questions mm-hmm. not to the level of penn state but we start to read some stuff what the hell were you thinking? Because it happened after Penn State. Right. After. Mm-hmm. So you should have had some sort of team meeting just to cover that anyways, right? I'm, I'm just Cover your own butt. We'll just yeah. say, hey, look, dude, these are the facts that happened over there. Are we clear? None of this stuff needs – anything that needs to go on. Do you think this is after two – so they had a 7-2 year in COVID. Mm-hmm. Down year, and you kind of expected them to be back – Last year, mm-hmm. they beat Nebraska and beat them up and then go on to lose 11 straight games. Some bad luck and some very close games. Do you think this is a way that they're trying to get rid of Fitzgerald, end his era in a roundabout way, or is this something that's something totally off? Of, because, look, they've put – 1.2 billion into the the football program and stuff like that. He's been there for like 18 years. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say the whole thing like the 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 message has gotten stale. He's gotten stale. He's hired a lot of new coaches. He's hired a lot of minority coaches, mm-hmm. which obviously was an issue in recruiting and stuff like that. Um, do you think this is like, hey, new era? And sometimes you get some people in there that that are younger that don't really care about what he had to go through when nobody would take that job. They weren't a part of that. And the new guys, the new administrators, they don't know that. They mm-hmm. they can read it. They don't think it's a big deal because they're dealing with right now. Do you think this is a way they're trying to get rid of? I don't think so, but I also totally admit that it's possible because he's Pat Fitzgerald. Because we know what Northwestern is and we know what Northwestern isn't. Maybe there's some new blood, but I would still tend to believe kind of that, that old money is still stronger, yeah. still present, and still backs him. So we haven't heard many other concerns out of Northwestern. Hardly right? in it they at were, all. They're happy just let him do his thing. Yeah. You know, another losing season or two, maybe they, you know, have quote-unquote raised their standard to where, you know, in a couple of years it would be a, hey, okay, we gave you four years to turn this around. You haven't done it. Let's, let's push you to the side. After two bad years, Northwestern's had two bad years in a row how many times in their yeah. history? Most of the times. And he's always came back and answered it tenfold. 
Right. So this, to me, right now doesn't feel like that, but I can see where maybe someone got impatient, maybe some of the biggest money had New this. money. Right. New. Right. Yeah. And they're like, well, hey, maybe we should maybe we should crank the temperature up here. Right. But then you read the you know the details, and then the players on the team say, no, this wasn't happening. This isn't fair. It's just still very confusing. Yeah. For as long yeah. as this has been going on, it's still pretty new reporting, and we're still in kind of the, the he said, she said sort of phase, and then it's weighing the evidence. What do you think is most likely right. to have happened? Yeah, where's and, the media? Where's the, where's the, I want to say happy medium, but where's the reality? Right. Yeah. And you have to weigh what you know for sure happened objectively you have to take his reputation into account right. but it can't be everything you can't just say oh well, we assume this would never happen because look at all the good he's done we've seen good people do terrible things before right. allow terrible things to happen so you have to take what you know beyond a shadow of a doubt weigh that with the guy you know what you've been told what seems like it could be or would be the most true. This is what I always, me and DP go back and forth on this, and, and I feel a little bit different. But I want to ask you, how much can you hold Pat Fitzgerald? Just say he 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 didn't really know the details, right? Mm-hmm. Just say, like, somebody came in and say, like, these guys went too far, and he's like, hey, knock it off. Whatever you're doing, knock it off. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then they keep going, and then it doesn't come back to his desk because he had figured he'd handle it, right? How much can you hold him accountable for other people's doing? Or is it just the fact that you're the head coach, it's just part of the job, and this is what you got to deal with? My thought on that is that I get the school of thought that you're the head coach, it's your program, you have to know. At the same time, I would understand Pat Fitzgerald building his culture putting captains in place that he trusts for a reason. Like, he's not just going to name anybody captain. So, yes, while it is his program, he should know what's going on in his program. I can also understand with the new demands of NIL, with the new demands of Transfer Portal, with all the staff turnover, that Pat Fitzgerald maybe turned a blind eye to this because he trusted the people he had in place. Yeah, and it's worked before. It's worked before. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's worked. And he, he's trusted his captains before, and he feels like, and sometimes, you you know, like, uh, was it Patty Fisher? You know, he was a three-year captain. Mm-hmm. He was a captain from a sophomore. So, I mean, you got to think that he's, he's really believing that these guys have laid foundation pieces as far as leadership and the way that you go about your business, to, to a, which allows Northwestern to come back from a down year because he can lean on his leadership inside that locker room mm-hmm. as they continue to, you know, develop and grow. Um, contrary, I, I, we were talking about, when Bo was here, I felt like Bo did a really good job of like they they did like hanging their hat on the individual players, but none of them left any leadership qualities. Right. Not that they not that they weren't qual- leaders. They were they hey, um they they just became so and this is part of the university as well. They kind of pump put them up on such a pedestal that they weren't they forgot that they were in the locker room. It almost mm-hmm. felt like they were encapsulated in their own locker in the locker room. Whereas Northwestern. So, I mean, Patty Fisher was one of the best linebackers in the Big Ten in, in you know, say five to six, seven, eight years. Um, you had numerous first-round picks. You had Newsom, Slater, Skaronsky. Those guys barely did any interviews, and they were all about the team, so it was a little different idea, and that's how they built their deal. 
um, along with numerous players, even though they, he was a Peyton Thorne or whatever, was the quarterback that uh, Trevor Simeon um, that was, you know, broke a whole bunch of records for Northwestern, you know, so forth and so on. Never to type of fanfare. Now, granted, it's covered differently. It'll be interesting to see how this comes out, how it shakes out, because sometimes they, you know, what, what also could happen, and I'll say this before we go to break, is sometimes they'll over-discipline to please the masses. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what, how it goes out. We're going we're gonna to go to break here. We're going to come back and jump into this a little bit more because um, we'll, we'll go dive into the details. But, I mean, I, I, I mean, instead of sitting up there retweeting it, I want to find out who the first person is that decided to do this. Okay. I want to find that dude. Cause he's got to be like heavy in the Michigan, I guess Michigan somewhere in Chicago. Right. Mm-hmm. Sitting up there reading there and he'd be like looking over, maybe he's got some kids or something. He might be up to his lake house. Somebody looking at him like, Hey, hey this started. Weren't you at Northwestern then? You know, like, <laughs> Did you do that? Because people ask me, like, hey, man, do, you know, did you play with the so-and-so? Just today, somebody asked me to play with Casey Nelson. I was like, yeah, or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So people are asking. And Northwestern is deep in Chicago. So, hey, man, this is Jay Foreman inside the huddle. We're going to take a quick break, dive into Northwestern a little bit, a little bit more. And then we're going to do something here, Austin, is uh, we're going to do a couple position breakdowns. We're going to talk about the quarterback, running back room, guys that are on the roster. We've covered recruiting. Now we need to focus on who's going to try to uh, help us and uh, beat Minnesota. So this is Jay Foreman, Austin Orman. Inside the Huddle, we'll be right back. Back to Inside the Huddle, sponsored by Advanced Medical Imaging. Here is your host, Jay Foreman. We are back Inside the Huddle. Jay Foreman brought to you by Advanced Medical Imaging, 7601 Pioneers Boulevard. Again, they do some uh, great things over there as far as pain management, but then also uh, fact-finding and solution-finding uh, without the overabundance of opioids and, and uh, straight to the surgery table. So uh, they will be seeing me again next week, but uh, I appreciate their help, appreciate their support. But uh, we've been talking about this Northwestern issue. Just re- reread the quick article again. And, um, you know, it's one player, and, you know, the thing that's crazy, Austin, just to get the facts of when, you know, just based on this report, so I don't know if it's factual or not, but just obviously something happened. Uh, it was reported immediately, it seemed like, after the season, November 2022. So this is something that is somewhat new as far as being reported in his situation. Um, now, he's anonymous, so I'm assuming that he's not on the team anymore. Right? right, so he might have been a senior. It has to be, or somebody that ended up going somewhere else that uh, was in the transfer portal or just kind of just moved on. And he reported November twenty two thousand twenty two. So essentially, I'm sure I'm assuming by January two thousand twenty three, along with some of the new hires and the coaching staff now, which I don't think is any. There's no correlation, but it's something that you have to look at. Did some of these coaches that I think they the, the offense and, and the recruiting was so bad they needed some new blood. Um, knew anything that you're going to bring a lot of people in there, but then uh, you got to think that the private investigations probably started in January 2023, and then now you're st- starting to see it come out right now and right before the season. This is not a fun time for Northwestern football. It's not a fun time for a program that needed to have somewhat of a uh, 
good year. You know, you could say, okay, you know, better than one and eleven. You needed to be somewhere four or five wins. They say, okay, we're right on the cusp of getting back to what we're used to be. And will you ever get back to the nine, ten wins of the seasons that Northwestern has had periodically? Most likely not. But you need to be bowl eligible, right? Especially if you're putting one point two billion into it. Um, I think by the end of this week, you'll see, you'll hear more stuff. It'll ramp up. Um, but I, I, I would, I wonder if there'll be more people that. If, if there's if there's only one, it, it's going to be a little bit hard, you know, for them to fire fire F- Pat Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. But if it's, I, and this is my opinion, and this is where I think where the Iowa thing always always I felt like had tread. It was multiple players over multiple classes for mm-hmm. multiple years in time, and all the stories correlated, mm-hmm. all of them. Um, and Ference addressed it, so that gave actually their story credibility. Whereas we don't know if Fitz addressed it. You know, we don't know if this happened just a one-off. Um, majority of players saying this isn't wasn't their experience. Um, and, uh, you know, look, man, you can't – I'm not minimizing any of it, but I'm not going to maximize it either. It's not a fun time to be a Wildcat. As great as that new facility is on the, on the lake, mm-hmm. it's not a fun time to be a Wildcat. Uh, it's not a fun time to be a big donor either because – what people don't understand is if you're you're asking for donations or you're, if you're a big donor um, and give money to the university and particularly the football program, whether it's NIL or to the football program, buying you know suites and stuff like that, you're investing in the football program, but you're also investing in who's the head coach because that's the mm-hmm. person that you you know a lot of times you look you got big money people they'll get more access than me. In college sport, in college football, the head coach is the program it is. in a lot of cases, it much is. more so than the NFL. Oh yeah, oh for sure. NFL, you're just a placeholder, mm-hmm. unless you're like Belichick, Mike Tomlin, Andy Reid, and all that. But those are the best of the best. best those are Hall of Famer. Those are once in a lifetime coaches. They get it. Mm-hmm. Sean Payton and those type of guys. In college, it's a lot of times the head coaches. Those are the guys that that knows how they know how to smooth with the the big donors. Those are the, the those people trust them with their money. Um, like I said, a lot of big donors, they have more access than I do to the football team. They can go and do stuff I can't, and that's that's just that's just the way it is. It shouldn't be like that, but that's the way it is. Um, and they, look, and I can go down anytime I want, but you know, there'll be you know more games than me if they want, or you know, they're they're up in the suites, you know, and I you know I gotta sit out in the stands, which is fine. You know, I'm not a player anymore, and so that's why it's such a big deal. That's why I think it's going to be a little bit hard to fire Fitzgerald if it's not a direct line to him. He has 18 years of money makers and decision makers in his back pocket. They didn't put that much money into the football program if they didn't believe in him. Because Northwestern isn't getting another Pat Fitzgerald to come there. If they if they fired him tomorrow, they might have a list of three guys that they could get, and none of them are going to bring the cachet of Pat Fitzgerald. Because here's the thing what people don't understand about coaches. And coaches don't won't, won't tell you this in their in- introductory press conference. Majority of them don't want to work. They want to get paid. Matt Rule is not uh, one of those. I think he's he's a worker. We've seen that. So don't think that I'm talking about him. Majority of these coaches complain about the work, but aren't complaining about the paycheck. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. We've seen it, and that's the honest to God truth. 
And what I mean by that is Northwestern, when Pat Fitzgerald took over, was a kind of starter job. Now you're in the Big Ten. Now you're essentially – you're even behind Rutgers as far as recruiting right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you got teams like Maryland. You got USC and U- UCLA coming in. Who knows whoever the heck they're going to come in next and what they're going to do. You're way down there. You're at Vanderbilt level. You might be below Vanderbilt right now, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you don't have <clears> – <throat> you're not coming off a bowl year. And you just lost a – for Northwestern, lost a ton of talent. So to go get a coach to pay and to pay him what you would have to pay him, Northwestern isn't willing to do that. And there's nobody that even for that type – you would have to pay – you would have to pay him. He'd have to. You'd have to pay him like one of the highest paid coaches in in the college college football, and you won't get your money's worth because if you're paying somebody nine nine ten million bucks to come in and fix your program at Northwestern, there's going to be a lot more losing in the first two or three years than this person has ever been accustomed to. You might lose as many games in your first two three years in Northwestern as. Nick Saban has in the past decade, right? At Alabama, and that's for not, more money, right? And so somebody that you're hiring is going to be a little bit longer in the tooth. That's probably not what they want to do right now, right? Right. Nor should they. They've done no. that before, mm-hmm. multiple times when they were younger. Now that doesn't mean that you don't make a decision if you feel like Pat Fitzgerald let you down as a leader and administrator and as far as a head coach and a and a father figure to hundreds of kids that came in in in. And and uh, you know gave their you know blood sweat and tears to the program, but it does it, but it does go into the decision making. And the hard thing now is that I've realized is there's less football people making football decisions. So sometimes you'll get people making it just based on dollars and cents. Sometimes you'll make it based on people will make it for political views. Sometimes mm-hmm. people will um, make it for personal views. Do they like? You know, Austin, right? Yeah, like, yeah, Icorse. I mean, let's be honest. He just didn't like Bo, and he did, and he refused to help Bo out when Bo actually was trying to have some sort of relationship with him. So it, sometimes it's personal, and you know what? The person that they're feeling personal views against might not even know it's personal. Might just be operating it like I'm trying to do my job. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so there's other things that go into. So it's just, it's a sticky situation. You know, you got a very – I keep saying it, you got a very powerful alumni. And here's what also people don't understand. You have a very powerful alumni that are in the media business. Uh, Pe- huh? People – was it Northwestern and Syracuse, right? Yep, those are the two. It, those are the two. Mm-hmm. And in particular, Northwestern, mm-hmm. Greenberg, Wilbon, all those people that come underneath them, they're going to be able to control the airways on a bigger magnitude if they feel uh, allegiance to Pat Fitzgerald or to the situation – they probably know a lot more than some other people because they can call. They could call the president of the university and say, "Hey, what's going on? Do I need to protect you? You know, because because the president of the university better take that phone call because you don't want to be the president of the university not taking that phone call from Michael Wilbon and Greenberg, and then you're trying to get a hold of them after they already gave their personal opinion. So that's what like with that, right? Because you know, time is everything. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes and uh, where it doesn't go. Um, but for the next six minutes, though, we are going to break down a position group. And Austin, do you want to do the easy thing and just do quarterback? Your show? Where do you want to go? Well, I'm asking your opinion, man. I mean, a quarterback is easy, but I mean, not easy. Um, so I'll ask you this question about, yeah. about the quarterback room. I don't remember who I was having this with. It's either 
Nick or Rico, one of the two. If you look at the future of the quarterback position, you mentioned the the guys that you know were kind of put up on the pedestal, were, were good players, but didn't leave any leadership behind, yeah. right? Who's the guy you trust in that locker room right now? Is there one to, to start kind of that legacy of leadership? Or would you have preferred, you know, maybe keeping Casey Thompson around to be a mentor for Daniel Kalen? Uh, man, I, I feel like Nebraska football with Casey on the roster would have been – there was no negative onto it because I felt like he would have pushed Jeff Sims and Jeff Sims would have pushed him. Um, they both would have ended up being good players and they both would have probably ended up playing. Um, it would have been a serious battle. But I think it also you have to be able to say, hey, this is our guy. And there was no – you know, both of them would have probably – wouldn't have, I, I don't think either – I think they're both competitive – and neither one of them wanted to go in with a guarantee of starting, but I think they would have liked to known that they would have been a good chance of starting and playing a lot. And I don't mm-hmm. think that was there. I can't speak for any of them, but you know, you know, maybe so. Um, so I think it worked out well for where you know where we're at. But I think also um, in that quarterback room right now, well, let's let's look look at the locker room. There's some guys in there that can leave a legacy of of good leadership, and and um, and and if shown the ability to try to do so right and so when you think of somebody um that you can really depend on and think about you know small we'll start there with the small fish right you could think about ramir johnson a guy that never quit and is going to finish his career here or at least this year could have very easily probably transferred out there to Rutgers, mm-hmm. and just took the you know what nobody would have batted an eye look he's been over overlooked he played well last year he or not he played well the year before never really got a chance Never heard anything about him. Was willing to play special teams. Bill Bush is in here and, and speaks highly of him. Um, but maybe he wanted to go play. He's a guy that I think in the locker room that can be somebody of a steady influence, especially in a running back room after Anthony Grant. You don't have much leadership there, right? So he could kind of be like that guy that's like the the second coach. Mm-hmm. But then also somebody that I know for a fact that showed leadership qualities and somebody that um, I think has grown and matured. And every time I see him, I get, you know, uh, I'm excited to see him is Quentin Newsom. Now, you don't see a lot of that. You, you'd like more on the offensive defensive line. But for him, I just remember when he was he was a starter, but he didn't get a black shirt. And he was visibly mad because he felt like he earned it. And I said, use this as fuel and step up your game. And it took a while for him to get a black shirt. Mm-hmm. But then when he did, he's like, I know what you mean. And then that's who was the most consistent defensive back last year? Quentin Newsom. For and the last it, like three years. For the last three years. And then also then I allowed Hartsog to come in and he's able to teach and mentor him. And so you've seen the, the work ethic. You see him now. He's, he's he's a totally different kid, grown man now. He's a senior. Somebody like that um, could leave a legacy of what it takes to overcome adversity and and stuff like that. And then so you, you have some guys um, – on the roster that can be him. They don't have to be your best guys. You got a guy like Isaac Isaac Gifford. He's a local kid. He can kind of be somebody that's going to be able to um, manage some of the younger kids that come in. You know, normally I would say somebody like Luke Reimer, but he's not a very vocal leader. He's a kind of like, I'm going to show you. Um, nobody yet. Heinrich kind of the same way. Yeah, but I think Heinrich, you know, as long as he stays healthy, I think the biggest thing with him, he's like EF Hutton, I would say, when he talks, everybody listens. He's somebody that I think can, if he takes a step in his play and then stays healthy, he's a guy that could be thought of as a captain 
um, and a guy that is a captain inside the the locker room and, and leave a legacy. Obviously, he needs some more linemen, you know, and I think, you know, I think with the young man that came in from Arizona State, Scott, Ben Scott, I think he has leadership qualities. Now he's here, and I think, but I think he's taken the leadership role, and I think he's made or helped Nori uh, mature. Mm-hmm. I see Nori, he's in great shape. Good. Uh, he's working. Um, he looks a lot more focused. I think that when you come in with an established player, I think that's done. I think Ben Scott can do that. He hasn't done it yet, but because he's only been here for a few months. But I think he's somebody. And then on the defensive line is going to probably be where I'm really going to focus at. If Ty Robinson can stay healthy and, and start to make some plays, he could be it. I don't think he's going to be your quote unquote vocal leader, but he's somebody that can help. Um, you know, be a bridge. But I think you know some of the guys that they've brought in, and not some of them, a lot of the guys that they've brought in are kids that can that want to right the wrong and, and don't know what the, what the losing culture is. Um, and, and a lot of them, if you see them, you know, really want to know what it was like to win back here and what is, what it means to win and aren't afraid of a challenge. So I think the, the, you know, the, and I saw that with the younger guys on when Frost and those guys were here, the Garrett Nelsons and those guys. Mm-hmm. So those guys are, yeah, I think it, you know, left the, you know, not a legacy of winning, but a legacy of, you know, look, you know, be at Nebraska for the right reasons. Don't be at Nebraska for yourself. And I think if Matt Rule and those guys take that and, and run with it, it'll be um, more fruitful in the in the future. And obviously that future needs to be very, you know, very quick. We don't want to be 1-11, one you know, 2-10. Two and, two and 10. So um, I think they got some guys uh, coming in. Uh, but we're going to go to break and come back, and we're going to have like five minutes. Uh, I want to talk about one guy in particular. We're we're going to gloss over the quarterback room. Jeff Sims is a starter. We keep. I'm going to say what the biggest news cycle should be every single day coming out of camp. And then I'm going to tell you about one kid I think uh, from a freshman that I hope and expect to play. Uh, this is Jay Foreman. Inside the Huddle, we'll be right back. You're listening to Inside the Huddle with Jay Foreman, sponsored by Advanced Medical Imaging. Oh, well. We are back. Jay Foreman, Austin, inside the huddle. Again, brought to you by Advanced Medical Imaging, 7601 Pioneers Boulevard. Call them. Get on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, They'll hit you back. Great customer service as well. Um, Always a fast turnaround time when I try to get in. But I think uh, we talked about the quarterback room. Jeff Sims is a starter. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him. Number one for Jeff Sims is to stay healthy. Now, some of that that you can't control, but – Physically to do the right things to make sure that your body's recovering to stay healthy and then also make sure that you're doing things not to take direct shots or big hits that uh, don't play hero ball uh, when it's not when it's not needed and get uh, unnecessary nicks and bruises that could affect your play long term. So that's where he's got to really stay healthy. Obviously, then he's got to perform well on the field because they have essentially anointed you the quarterback for this season and there is no other there's nobody biting at your heels so you better perform and that's not being um an a-hole that's just being honest i mean they brought him in for a reason right to be the guy let me throw this to you what's the the line for jeff sims for using you know his his big frame as a runner um you know to get extra yards versus be smart because there's not a lot behind you like is it run over dbs 
get down yeah. if it's linebackers and D yeah. linemen? What's the no. what's that line for him? Uh, well, I mean, I think situational running. You know, do not be you know slide. You know, more times than not, uh, get out of bounds earlier than later. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we need third and one, crank it up. Right. Um, and 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 that's something that you get, you need to be taught to and constantly be talked to about. And you also have to welcome, like when you're watching, hopefully in the off season, and he's looking over the playbooks and probably seeing, watching film of other places that are running these plays. You have to envision yourself doing some of those things that you're seeing, and how you would do it the same way, or maybe better, or differently as well. Because if you're just showing up and practicing, you're going to get caught slipping. DBs, they one thing about defensive backs, they get excited about trying to knock somebody out or not take you out. So don't think that they won't look you up on the sidelines. Get out of bounds. We've seen that multiple times. We've seen that where Adrian come through the line against Michigan State high, got his chest up there, and he got his jaw broke. Uh, we've seen him not slide time a couple times. But then on the other times, we've seen him run out of bounds or not get that extra yards. That's where Jeff Sims got to be a better quarterback, be a better mm-hmm. game manager. Ultimately, that's part of the evaluation of him playing on the field. He needs to be a consistent passer, good leader, and be healthy. If he doesn't be – if he's not healthy, he can't do any of that I mentioned previously – and so it's a big year for him. There's a lot of pressure on him, but, you know, when you come in and you start at Nebraska, there will be pressure. And it'll be pressure that you never felt uh, at Georgia Tech before. Um, so be ready for it. And it's a great honor, but you got to um, – what's this old saying? Too much is given and much is expected. So mm-hmm. we expect you to perform. Now, Steve Sipple, because he's at the ticket and everybody else, the biggest ongoing story – it needs to be day in and day out on all these little blogs or whatever is who's going to be the backup quarterback. Purdy, Harburg, or somebody that we haven't really mentioned before. That's it because you have to expect that he's going to be needed at some point in time. Ideally, you don't, you shouldn't be expecting who's going to be the backup quarterback because we're going to need him to start 10 games. Mm-hmm. That's not a good season. But you're going to have to expect him to play at some point in time and not lose you games. And I think sometimes people don't understand the evaluation process of a starter or a backup or somebody that's in competition with them. A lot of times it starts and stops with who's going to win his games, but also who's going to not lose his games. There's a lot of guys that played and got paid a lot of money because they knew how to not play losing football. Tom Brady made a career of it early in his career. He was taught very early how not to play losing football. Then as he got better as a quarterback, then he ended up becoming the best of all time, and they curtailed everything around his his strengths, not his weaknesses. So, you know, the backup quarterback position, Heinrich Harburg is, is the second second or third year. First of all, the fanfare when he came in for how big he is. The improvement, it seems like he's made under Matt Rule and them and the opportunity. I'm not going to fixate on spring game because I don't think it was the, the a fair um, look into what he's done because I'm, I'm assuming what he's done inside those walls, in the weight room, in the classroom, on the practice field, in scrimmages is the reason why, you know, you heard things coming out of him, you know, about him out of camp along with Purdy. And I think it's either this is a great opportunity for Chubba Purdy to get different coaching, learn from the mistakes that you you caused yourself last year, Playing way too too much in a hurry, way too fast, wasn't a good look with a new coaching staff, new ideas. You're healthy, um, 
especially coming out of spring, you should be more healthy. They haven't seen a lot of you, so you kind of will have that new car effect. This is a great opportunity for him to prove that he's actually a starter or potentially a starter down the road. So, because there is some bridge, if Jeff Sims have it, and he, you know, there's been rumbles, he thinks he's going to be one year. Chubba Purdy, if he does something, he'll be next, or we'll be back in the portal. What's the biggest challenge for Harburg and Purdy? Is it as simple as commanding a huddle as the number two, or what's the biggest step they have to take? Getting out of their own way. Mm. You know, being able to command the huddle, demand respect, execute, and continue to improve. And definitely the biggest thing is don't play losing football. Somebody that they can depend on. Somebody that Satterfield knows if he goes in the game, I know I got this and so and so. But you look at all the, the you know the backup quarterbacks in the NFL, they're not wild cards. No. Right? You know exactly what you're exactly getting. Exactly what you're gonna get. Yeah. It might it's, not be great, but it's not gonna be horrible. Well, you, here's a perfect example before we get off. It's like the Baltimore Ravens. They were down to their third quarterback. And the funny thing is he played like two games and made the Pro Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> right. But those coaches knew exactly who he was. Those players knew exactly who he was. Those linemen knew exactly who he was. The mm-hmm. defensive guys knew exactly what they were going to get. Mm-hmm. So they were able to continue along playing. It wasn't pretty, but they knew when they got off the bus, we knew what Huntley was going to give us. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what Chubba Purdy was going to give us. Now, there were some other factors, I think. you know, Playing up at Michigan, crappy weather is not a good – test or good showing for anybody and see, on, and see, uh, I thought he looked better at Michigan right when uh, he had a game and a half to settle it right he looked better but as far as people like the passing and stuff like yeah. it, it's, it's crappy that's not ideal right right the things that were concerning for Chuba was like the Minnesota games and the other games he got in and the consistency upon improvement and just being flat out healthy mm-hmm. so he gets those things under control he, he might be able to make some noise him and Heiner Harbor are going to be battling it out. Uh, this is a quick show again. You know, it goes, always goes by fast, but I love doing it. Uh, we appreciate your support. Jay Foreman inside the huddle. We want to, again, thanks to Advanced Medical Imaging, 7601 Pioneers Boulevard. We will see you next Sunday.